Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. What an emotional morning for me, anyway. I don't know about you, but uh, it started out with Brother Eldon in the office this morning and has just progressed since then. So uh, uh, prepare for some tears, I, for, on my part, anyway. Uh, once you hear me speaking, you might uh, shed a few tears as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to laugh so hard, Trudy. <laughs> Amen. If, if you love the Lord this morning, I want you to give him a love offering. Let me ask this. Are you willing to stand up and do what it takes, what God has called you to do? Are you willing to stand up and die for him this morning? Think, think let that sink in. If, if somebody came through that door right now and lined you up here in front and said, Forsake Jesus or die, are you willing to give up your life? Of course, it's easy to say, sure, when it's not actually happening. That's another thing to be on the bad end of a, the muzzle of a gun and, and, and do something. I understand that. What we're talking about this morning is the heart of a warrior. And I'm not talking about Mark Luttrell. I'm not talking about uh, uh, The Rock. Uh, I'm talking about the little old lady that will sit in the pew and lift up her prayers to God. That heart. That's what we're talking about this morning. Lone Survivor. I, I don't know how many people have seen it. It's an awesome movie. And you see these guys putting their lives on the line. There's another movie, but even further back than that, called 300, about the, the Greeks, the Spartans, and the Battle of Thermopylae, which took place 480 B.C., and only 300 Spartan warriors defending their post against one million Persians. And the Spartans put up most, uh, the, the bravest and most determined resistance I think I've ever seen, taking their stand on a little hill and fighting in a circle facing outward, if most of you have seen the movie, I would imagine. And for two days they fought tirelessly, defending Thermopylae against all odds. The Persians seemed utterly unable to annihilate the Spartans, though. 300 against millions. And I, I know the movie, they take their liberties in, in, in portraying it, but uh, I'm sure it, sure it couldn't have been uh, uh, any better than what the movie portrayed it. 300 men going against literally thousands. King Leonidas was killed and he was some distance away. And some of the Spartans formed a tight group and fought their way back to his body, picked it up, and then fought their way back to the main group on the hill. Okay? They made such a dent in the Persian army that even though the Spartans lost the battle, the Persians would ultimately be defeated shortly thereafter. 
And these Spartans, from, from a boy, if you see in the movie, the boys were literally thrown out of the city and, and, and they, they had to survive on their own. And, and the idea was to, to help them become a warrior. We're talking about the physical world. What I'm eventually going to be referring to is the spiritual world. 300 Spartan warriors have been remembered throughout history as the finest soldiers the world has ever known. See, the Spartan warriors, they had a cause. They had a principle, a deep commitment, and they were prepared to defend it. I'd say, I'd say we have a cause. I don't know about your principles this morning. I don't know about your commitment. And I don't know if you're prepared to defend it. It's one thing to sit in our pews and, and say, yeah, I am, and another one to actually go out and do it. King Leonidas took 300 warriors because he knew that 300, those 300 warriors would never stop fighting. He knew those 300 warriors would never give up. They were real warriors. They were fighting with a cause in their hearts, a determination to impact the outcome of the war. You know, we have that same cause. We have something. We have a hold of something. God's word, our salvation. We have something to fight for. And I'm wondering if we're actually willing to stand up and fight for it. See, the heart is a true seat of everything. Wow, there we go again, moving on me. The heart's a true seat of everything that you and I really are. Our heart, and I'm not talking about what's beating inside of us. I'm talking about our heart, what we are. That's who we really are. You know, we've not been called to be weak, feeble followers of Christ. Listen to this. We've been called out as intercessors, gap standers, warriors, conquerors, Defenders of the truth, heavenly patriots. If you notice, all those are offensive positions. And because of that, we're to be ready, willing, and able to fight for our cause. You know, Paul constantly related to the daily Christian's walk. Christian walk is an ongoing struggle, a battleground, if you will. Now, I don't know about you, but Victory Church, and I'm not talking about, well... I am talking about Victory Church as a whole, but Victory Church, the building, has been going through some battles. Victory Church, the congregation, the actual church, has been going through some battles, both as a congregation and individuals. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure each and every one of you could raise your hand and say, I've been fighting a battle, a personal battle we all have. We need to arrive at the place in our lives where we begin to understand that as believers in Jesus Christ, the enemy is constantly attempting to wage war against us. You know, for a, a few months ago, I would say, man, I've got the best life in the world. And I do. I, I, I'm not complaining, okay? But, but as over the last month, six weeks, if you will, certain things have, have taken place, nothing bad by any means, but... Things weren't going as smoothly as they were before. And they began to think that, you know, it can't be smooth sailing all the time. Satan, Satan is going to take notice when you're standing up for the Lord. 
and things are smooth sailing. He's not going to let that go for long. So, so just be aware, if, if life is great right now, prepare. Prepare, because the attack is coming. If you're living, if you're living your life for Jesus Christ, the way you're called out to be, there's going to be attacks. And you might say, well, Satan didn't attack me, but, but this person over here attacked me. Or, or you know, my, I bounced a check the other day at the, at the thing, or my car broke down. Brother, sister, you're being attacked. Satan will use whatever he can, whoever he can, to attack you, to take you down, to do what he needs to do to ruin your, your fellowship with each other, to ruin your fellowship with Christ, to ruin your fellowship with church. And we do see, we do see, uh, we do see people fall, fall prey to that. He desires to bring us down to destroy our faith, to destroy our confidence, to shatter our hopes and dreams. But ultimately, he desires to defeat us completely, to knock us down, to make us, to make us quit church, to, to, to make us, to put that gun to our head and say, it's Jesus Christ or die. Satan wants us to quit. He's going to do what he has to do to do it. And as we see what's happened to Victory Church over the past week, week and a half, and we see people standing in the gap, we see intercessors, we see warriors. Brother Eldon, like he started, he started me off with the weepiness this morning, and came into the office, and he was talking about, I said, "How's your week, brother?" And and I, you know. How's things going? He's talking about being out here and taking care of business and spreading salt. And, and that's the warrior I'm talking about. Somebody that's willing to step up and step out and do what they have to do to take care of business, to take care of God's business. What, spreading salt's God's business? Yes. Who slipped and fell on the way into church this morning? Not that the, uh, Satan didn't give it a good try with that sheet of ice out there. people stepping up. This is where having the heart of a warrior comes into play. That heart that I'm talking about in here. Who we are. Who we want to be. And if you're innermost man, that is to say your heart is set on being a warrior. If you are a warrior at heart, you're going to be prepared for whatever comes your way. And you'll live every day saying, bring it on. Whatever the day has to offer, I'm ready for it. I'm not saying you're not going to get knocked down. I'm not saying that, that you're not going to take some bumps and bruises and come away a little bloodied, but, but you're willing to say, bring it on. I'm ready for it. And there might come a time in the future, maybe even the near future, where you make the ultimate sacrifice and give up your entire life for it. But that's what I'm talking about here this morning. Are you willing to do that? Do you have that warrior's heart within you? That's the question. King David was a veteran of many foreign wars. He was a conqueror, a defender. He was a true patriot. And if you've never read about King David from start to finish through God's word and even in some of the history books... A remarkable man, 
a remarkable man of God. What, what was God's word says? A man after God's own heart. That's who I want to be. He had that warrior's heart. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalms chapter 27, verses 1 through 14. And while you're looking down at your Bible, go ahead and close your eyes for me, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord, and I just thank you for this opportunity to stand up here and preach your word, Lord. And as I prayed so many times, Lord, don't let it be me up here. Lord, speak through me this morning. Speak to hearts. Take what I say, Lord, and, and use it for your glory this morning. Use it to further your kingdom, your means, Lord. Be with us this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds to what you have to say to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 14 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though, my, though an army deploys against me, my heart is not afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, still I am confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is that I des- what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. We're at verse 5. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. You are to seek my face, Lord. I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn. Your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witness, witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Wait for the Lord. That's David. Basically asking the Lord to strengthen him. In essence, in a nutshell, give him the heart of a, of a warrior. Make him strong. Don't give him over to his foes. Having himself been involved in such a vast number of physical as well as spiritual struggles and battles, David is more than qualified to instruct us in waging successful spiritual warfare and in the process develop the heart of a warrior. And as I read David's story, just the things he went through from a, from a young man, even before we see him, you know, we hear stories about him killing bears and lions and, I mean, Wow. He had quite a life even before he came on the scene and killed Goliath. And in developing the heart of a warrior, this begins by placing our focus on God and not on fear. It's not, it's not to say fear is not going to be there. Those things you do, those, those things we do every day, sometimes we step out of our house and, and they're, I mean depending on what we're facing, whether it's financial, physical, whatever the case is, there might be a little bit of fear there. I'm not going to say that there's no fear when, we're, when we give it over to God. I'm still afraid. 
But the thing is, is giving it over to God. Put your focus on Him, not on the fear that you feel. David begins with a strong declaration there. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? If you notice, I don't have the scripture written out on you. You've got an electronic Bible, please use it. If you've got a, a hardback, please use it. But David's talking about, the, he's giving praises to the Lord. He's, he's the light of my, and my salvation. And when God's on our side, who should we fear? What, what do I have to be afraid of? Even if my foes overtake me, even if my foes take my life, my enemies take my life, guess, guess where I end up? To be absent from, the, from this body is to be present with the Lord. It's a win-win situation for us. If we, get, if we let our heads get a hold of that concept right there, what do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to fear? There's a story told of a parakeet named Chippy who had a very bad day. It began when the bird's owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. If you've got, you got a parakeet, don't do that. <laughs> she was almost finished when the phone rang. She turned around to answer it. Before she knew it, Chippy was gone. In a panic, she ripped open the vacuum bag, and there was Chippy covered in dirt, gasping for air. She carried him to the bathroom and rinsed him off under the faucet. Then realizing that Chippy was cold and wet, she reached for the hair dryer. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. In a few days, the owner was asked how he was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits there and stares. Ever feel like that? Sometimes we do, don't we? Just sit there and think about what's going on in your life. Have that pity party, if you will. We all do it. One minute you're whistling through life, the next you're caught up in a whirlwind of you fill in the blank. Could be anything. I don't know what you're going through today, but it could be anything. Life sucks you up into its Dyson vortex. And just when you think you recovered from one trouble, those winds of adversity start blowing in your direction again. And guess what? Again and again. You're never out of it. It's life. Am I right? Yeah. We, have, we, we go through this life. Uh, uh, we call it the ocean of life, if you will, and the, and the waves and the storms come, and then there's smooth sailing for a while, and guess what? There's another storm coming. I say don't be like Chippy the parakeet and let the song go out of your life. David was one that didn't let fear take the song out of his life and neither should we. So you ask, well, how is that possible? And it's only possible when you focus on who God is. Who is God to you? Is he just somebody? We, you come into Victory Church, you sit down, you listen to, to uh, 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 some fantastic singing, Tyler and band. It was awesome. Hence my third weepiness of the day, you know, and so on. And I stand up here trying to keep it together. But is that what it is? You come in here, you listen to, to, a, to, a, to a good sermon, some good singing. Who, who is God to you? But you've got to focus on who God is. You've got to focus on how great he is. How great he is. And that's not something you just... You just off the cuff, think about. 
Focus on how great God is. Think about what He has done for you. At the very least, prayerfully, He's saved you from hell. And whatever else. We focus on God. We focus on how great He is. And we focus on what He means to us. We focus on those things that He's done for us, those, those adversities, those, those, time, those storms that He's seen us through. Because I know of the things that He's seen our family through. And I think, well, why would He just stop cold turkey? He's going to see me through the next storm. He's going to see me through the next storm. But I can't just sit there in my recliner at home or cower down and say, okay, Lord, here it comes. See me through it. I've got to stand up. I've got to stand up with, with the heart of a warrior. I've got to stand up and face it. He's our light. He's our salvation. And because of him, we no longer live in the darkness of sin. That's who God is. No enemy can take God's salvation from us. Nothing can snatch us from his hand. What do we have to worry about? What do we have to be afraid of? We don't. And continuing down in verse 2 and 3, David says, When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploy against me, my heart is not afraid. The war break out against me still. I am confident. Are you confident this morning? Are you confident in who God is, what he's done for you? Notice I didn't ask you if you were confident in yourself, because that really does not matter. It's your confidence in Christ and what he's done for you. Spiritual warfare requires confidence. Confidence isn't our own strength and abilities, but it's in God's power and his strength and abilities and what he can do for us, not what we can do for ourselves. Amen. And if you're putting your, your, if you're putting your, your focus on God and in his strength and abilities, when you come through adversity and you look back and say, ah, oh, look what I just did. Shame on you. Look what God just did for you. And that's where the focus should be. Why is it we find ourselves believing Satan before we do the Lord? You think about that. Things happen in our lives and, and, and automatically we think the worst. Instead of going, going, dropping to our knees and praying and, and putting that, that cycle of, of strength, God's strength, God's abilities in the, in the play. We automatically, what do they call it, secede, give up, give it over to Satan. That's not what God wants for us. It takes confidence. We stand up and say, no way. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, sometimes that sounds so cliché. But are you using it? Are you saying it? Because it's not cliche. That's where our power comes from, God's word. And what did Jesus use against Satan in the wilderness? Scripture. So why couldn't we have that same power and use Scripture when we're in the wilderness? We can. 
But a lot of times we choose not to because, oh, that's cliche. That's, those. No, it's not. That's God's word. Our enemy uses psychological warfare against us. He knows that if he and his demons can get believers to fear, they've gone a long way in winning the battle. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to fear. But what I am saying is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't fear. Focus on God. He'll take care of that fear. David, the veteran warrior of God, knew the secret of winning the fear game. Complete focus on God. You see, a warrior's heart is refined as we learn to practice constant fellowship with God. You know, if you think getting down on your knees at night and praying and then saying amen and you're done with your prayers is it, then you're not using the full capacity of your prayer life. I've said it before up here, I'll say it again, I've told numerous people. I, stay, I honestly stay, it seems like, in a constant state of prayer. I, I honestly, unless I'm saying my uh, prayer for dinner or a specific prayer, I try, honestly, I try to never say amen because that means, that means it's ended. You know what I'm saying? I, I try to stay in a constant state of prayer, a constant state of fellowship with God. Why is that? Because I draw strength from it. And you can too. He's, he's, he's all. He, he belongs to each and every one of us. And, and when he's focused on me, when I'm focused on him, guess what? He's focused on you if you're focused on him. But I'm sure he's a busy God. And if you're not going to give him the time that he deserves, why would you think he is going to give you the time that you deserve? Now, on that same note, I know he does. I know he watches over me. I know he has his hand on me, even when I'm not focused on him. You know why I know that? Because I'm still alive today. And if you knew my history and some of the things I've been through you'd know how true that was. And I'm sure we each have a story where, where God has seen us through something that we really should have possibly perished. God is with you regardless. Practice consistent fellowship, constant fellowship with him. In verse 4, David goes on to say, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. When David says all the days of my life, he's talking about constant communion with God. Now, I, I, I have to say, I love this church building. I feel fantastic when I'm here. I feel fantastic when you all are here. But there's, there's something about coming through the doors of the church. I don't know. I just feel safe. I feel focused. It's like a prism, if you will. It really is. Okay? Now, by no means do I worship this building. It's just, it's, it's a church. It's our church. It's our building. It's holy ground, if you will. And it makes me feel good to be here. David. He was talking about the physical temple, the physical church, but he's also talking about that constant fellowship with God. 
And he's not talking about coming to God only when he's in trouble. That's another trap we fall into as, as believers. We, we, everything's good. Everything's good. Okay, I don't, I, God, thank you, but I don't really need you. Everything's good. And we really just kind of leave him out of it until, bam, something happens. Oh, Lord, save me. Oh, uh, I don't mean to be dramatic if that's what it was, but it's the truth. Some of us act that way. He needs to be the focus of our lives 24-7, not just when we need him. David puts it this way in verse 5, For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. If we focus on God, if, we, if, we, if we're focused on him, he's going to hold us up. He's going to strengthen us up. He's going to protect us. Why did David have assurance in times of trouble? Because before trouble ever got to him, he had been dwelling in God's house all the days of his life. Yes, the church is great. But what David's talking about here is focusing on God, being in God's house. We come here, we know God's here. In the past few weeks, man, I have felt God's presence in this place more than I have in a long time. But we're talking outside, out there in the world, dwelling in God's house. You understand what that is? is? Is having constant fellowship with Him. One of the greatest mistakes you can make in spiritual warfare is to wait to train for battle in the midst of battle. We can't wait for something to happen and then go run into God. God, God, save me, help me. What do I do? Because usually by that time, it's too late. We used to have a patch in security forces, and I'm sure some uh, other squadrons and, and organizations in the Air Force have had it, but, uh, and many have used it, but it said, we train in peace prepare for war and uh, I teach a concealed class for Illinois and, and uh, I am or have been trained on more weapons than I can count on both hands and both feet I've carried and still do carry weapon in the performance of my duty uh, uh, in, in my job 90% of my adult life I've carried a weapon and I've never had the need opportunity or inclination to pull my weapon out and use it in the performance of my duty or in my private life. But here it is. If I ever need to, I'm ready. In fact, I wish I was half as ready for the spiritual battles in my life as I am for the physical battles in my life. Why? Because I've practiced. I've prepared for battle. I've prepared for those physical battles. I, I am confident. If we could apply all that to the spiritual side of things, to those spiritual battles, if we could be that prepared, if we could be as prepared in our spiritual battles as I am for those physical battles, look out, Satan. Make you want to charge hell with a, with a water pistol.
We as born-again believers in Christ should be that ready for those spiritual battles. Train before the battle ever begins. As David mentions over again, the greatest place to train for battle is in God's house. Sunday morning worship. Small groups. I'll put a plug in for small groups right now. If you're not in a small group, let me say it, shame on you. We don't do traditional Sunday school here Sunday morning except for the children. Okay? Our, adult, our small groups are adult Sunday school. You should be in a small group. That's all I'll say about that. I'll let Paul, Paul tackle that one. Train before the battle begins. God's house. That's where we get our training. You go down to verses 6 and 7. David goes on to say, Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent, and, should sh- and with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. David made a consistent practice in his life to attend worship in God's house, to train, to be prepared. David was an excellent warrior for God because he was faithful to God's house. Well, I could open up a can of worms right here. There's probably numerous sermons that could be preached on being faithful to God's house. But that's what David was. He was faithful. And you know what? You know, I, don't, I don't want to seem like this is an excuse, but, but we look at David's life and we see the things that David did in his life, the sin that he was, partook of, and we see the things that he actually went through And then we see God saying that David is a man after God's own heart. Wow. It gives me hope that that a a vile, wretched person like myself, you don't know me, can can be a man after God's own heart. We can be people after God's own heart. It doesn't matter what you've done. Yes, it does matter what you do. It does matter how you live your life. But the past is a past. Let it go. David, faithful to the house of God. And Christians today are losing a great battle here. Forsaking God's house at every turn. I don't feel like I'm tired. I understand there are some legitimate reasons to not come to church. And that's fine. I'm I'm just saying, if we can be here, we need to be here. Pressing on. (laughs) Drop down to verses 8 through 10. My heart says this about you. You are to seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant's Oh, a servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me. God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Each and every one of you can say that. When David cried out to God, God answered him. And what was God's answer? Seek my face. To which David immediately replied, Thy face, Lord, I will seek. The Lord's calling you out this morning too. Seek my face. What will, what will your response be? Seek my face. 
So what are you seeking today? Comfort, riches, popularity? God never asks us to seek such things. And it's not to say that you can't have money and be, have a heart, heart, heart for God. doesn't mean you can't live in comfort and have a heart for God. doesn't man, you, mean you can't be popular and have a heart for God. I mean, look at me. <laughs> I'm, jo- I'm joking. But you see what I'm saying. You can have those things. It's just when those things become the focus of your life, instead of God, that's where the problem comes in. The focus needs to be him. He tells us the same thing he told David. Seek his face. Seek intimacy with him. That's a word that gets used most incorrectly these days. Intimacy. We think it has to do with a husband and wife having relations and stuff. Intimacy. It's talking about a closeness. You know, that, you know that closeness you had? If you're married here this morning, you had that closeness with your spouse. You'd have that closeness with Christ. Intimacy. It's not a bad word when used correctly. God desires closeness. He desires a personal, intimate closeness. Now we think... You know, out of sight, out of mind. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows what you're thinking all the time. We think we get over on God when we do something. He knows, okay? So, so in essence, he is intimate with us because he knows every aspect of our lives. The thing is, is that if you're not being intimate with him, it's only a one-way intimacy, and it needs to be two-way. If your wife or your, your significant other is, is focused on you all the time and, and giving you everything, and you don't give them anything back, how long do you think they're going to stick around? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. God desires closeness. When others reject you, God desires you. The key to winning a spiritual battle is constant, consistent communion with God. Do you walk with God face to face? Or is your relationship with God on again, off again? Important questions that I can't stand up here and answer for you. You've got to answer them for yourself. Strive for consistency. Make worship a priority. And I'm not talking about praise and worship up here, which is fantastic. I'm talking about in your own life. Live an upright life. In verse 11, David says, Because of my adversary, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. No matter what, David's basically saying, no matter what, what my adversaries, no matter what my enemy's doing to me, Lord, let me do right. Lead me on the level path, the straight and narrow, whatever, whatever you want, whatever helps you understand that scripture better. Lord, lead me on the level path. As Christians, our desire must be the straight path. Very little is said today with the value of a morally good life. In fact, just the opposite. In today's society, most everything you come up against is in direct opposition to a morally 
good life. You think about the way, uh, the things you read on, unfortunately, Facebook, uh, the internet period. Guys, a lot of it's not good. It really isn't. In fact, it's not politically correct to even say that one way of life is good and another is not, that one action is moral and another is not. We can't even, we can't even teach our kids the correct path these days. Most schools are introducing such trash into the schools. Traditional values in society have been torn down in the name of fairness and tolerance. And let me say this. Show me in God's word where it says that life will be fair or that we're to tolerate the wrong that society does. We're told to sit back. We, we see, we see uh, uh, one group of people being put ahead of another group of people. And we see another group of people uh, being trampled on. And, and, and look, life's not fair. But we go back to the heart of a warrior. And we stand up like warriors. And if it means taking a, a, you know, a couple licks, then so be it. But we do it. We focus on God. We remain true to what we stood up for when we accepted Christ as our Savior. And this lack of morals in our society has led to our weakness in the, in the spiritual realm. We're weak Christians. I say that with tongue-in-cheek because I know there are some that, that stand true and stand up like warriors. But you think about where Christianity is headed these days. How many do you really see standing up in the media, anywhere, and you see preachers, some not standing up in the pulpit, but you see preachers standing up in their pulpits and preaching and remaining strong. But who's hearing it besides those here? Are we... What we hear here, are we taking it out? and Are we preaching it? Are we, are we spreading that as well? Are we standing up? Or do we, hear, do we hear the word here? Do we hear what we need to hear in church on Sunday morning? And then we go back out into the world to our jobs, to school. And we continue in the same way that we have all along. Hey, Ted, what was, what was the sermon on this weekend? Oz, uh, out of the Bible. We don't, a lot of times we don't even remember what the sermon was about. Guys, we, we need to quit being Christian pansies, okay? Pardon me if that, I don't mean to offend you, but come on. Let's stand up, let's toughen up, and let's do what God called us to do. In this church, I see people standing up. I see youth standing up. Prayer warriors. Did, did, were you aware that there's a prayer group that meets here during the week and prays? Why? I'm going to take a hit right here. Shame on me for not being a part of it. Shame on you if you're not a part of it. I know some people work then, whatever. But have you have you even have you even prayed for the prayer group? 
Shame on us. Shame on us for not standing up and being the people of God that we've been called to be. I didn't mean for this to turn into a, <laughs> a shame on you session, but you know, if it hits that way, so be it. The enemy tries to persuade us that our values are outdated or intolerant. We're to preach the truth. And if the truth hurts somebody's feelings, oh well. I'm not saying we're to deliberately go out and hurt somebody, but hey, I'm going to tell you the truth. And for me, and I, I as I was studying this out, and, and uh, you know, I made the decision. I'm going to start standing up for the truth. If, if you do something that you shouldn't be doing or uh, something, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to start standing up for the right thing, the moral thing, instead of being tolerant. Oh, well, they're, 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 just, they're just having a bad day. <laughs> That's no excuse. A lot of times we let people get away with things all under the guise of having a bad day. It doesn't work for me anymore. People need to, I see it at work, I see it out in everyday life, I see it in the church, people getting away with things that they need to take responsibility for. You can't just go off and do and say what you want, right? We've got to stand up and take responsibility for us. We're big boys and girls, we need to stand up and embrace that heart that I'm talking about, of who we are, who we want to be. David says, don't give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rip or rise up against me, breathing violence. When you live a morally upright life, people, people are going to be cruel to you. People are going to say bad things because you're a Christian, because you love Christ. So be it. If you, if you got up and you put on your armor of God, who cares what they throw at you? If you're ready, if you're prepared... Who cares what they say? My dad used to, my dad used to always say this because uh, I was a very small kid when I was little before I got this. Okay? Very small. But uh, I was bullied, right? And they call you names and stuff. You know, kids can be cruel. But my dad used to always, my dad, if, if they called you a pink elephant, would that make you a pink elephant? Yeah, that's what my dad used to say. But it's true. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. You know who you are. You know who you're in. Stand up with confidence and be the Christian. Be the warrior for Christ that he's called you to be. This is where we must trust in the Lord for patience and protection. And I'm almost done, guys. Verse 13, I'm certain that... Uh, that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Have you seen God's goodness lately? Yes. I mean, we, honestly, we walk into this church. I walk into this church. I see the floors. Uh, I walk one way. I have to turn around, go back, and pick up my shoes. <laughs> I took Henry to the bathroom this morning. And, and I picked him up to, to set him on the toilet, and his shoes stayed stuck to the floor. And, yeah. But you know what? 
I see God's goodness in this. You know why? Because he's brought this church together. Not that we were ever apart, but you can never be close enough. He has. There I go again. But, but, but it has. This is brought, God uses these types of things like this to bring a church together. You know? And, and I'm going to call it like it is. We've seen, we've seen people leaving. And there's been questions, why they leave? Why they leave? Well, I don't know. Pastor will tell you the same thing. We don't know. Okay? But it's not, that's between them and God. I, I, I don't know their heart. Guess what? We'll be standing next to them in heaven. I don't believe they've forsaken Christ. Paul and Barnabas separated ways. It happens. But it still hurts. It still hurts. We still wonder why it happened. And so this pe- people over here talk, people over here talk, and I think sometimes God does something like this, yeah, to bring us together. And I think it really has. Among other things, but I really, like I said, over the past month or two, I really felt more than I have in a long time the Spirit of God in Victory Church. And I think he just does things to bring us together and strengthen us. Because you know whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. God is a good and loving God, and he's going to reveal his goodness to us in our time of need. And if you get nothing out out of this, get this. There is a good and right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. And if you sit here this morning and claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you know the difference between good and bad, right and wrong. And it's time we stood up as warriors for Christ with that heart that I'm talking about and stand for truth. Moral relativists may attempt to erase the lines, but we all know there's a difference between right and wrong. And we need to stand those lines. We need to stand in the gap. We need to be intercessors. We need to be warriors. And the only way we can overcome society's impulses to compromise what we believe is to follow David's counsel in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be courageous. Let your heart be strong. Wait for the Lord. That's where your focus needs to be. Because if we wait, I'm going to have the band come up. If we wait to see which way the moral winds are blowing, we're going to wind up lost in a dust storm. You have that. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. I, I just want you to kind of think about what I've been saying this morning. Do you have that heart that I'm talking about this morning? Are you confident in your abilities? It's important that we are. Are you winning life's battles? You need to look back on the psalm there. And you think, need to consider the advice from David and what he said. Wait for the Lord. Be courageous. Let your heart be strong. Wait for the Lord. sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior that's going to be the first step that's going to be the first thing you need to do 
to step up and accept Christ as your Savior. And it's a matter of having that warrior's heart, having that confidence to stand up and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Save me. Lead and guide me. It's that simple. People make it, make it such a, a chore. It's not a chore. And if you're sitting here again as, and, and you're in Christ this morning, maybe you're not where you, where you should be. Maybe, maybe there's something in your life you need to, to overcome. Maybe there's sin in your life you need to, to, uh, to repent of. It's a simple prayer. A lot of times we try to get so theological when we pray. Christ says, unless we come to him as children, say a child's prayer. I'm not talking, now I lay me down to sleep, but I'm talking, don't try to use big words, just, Lord, forgive me. How simple is that? How about this? Lord, restore me. can't do it from up here. Pastor John can't do it from up here. It has to be you. The pastors in this church, the leadership in this church, we can help you. We can can try to lead you and guide you. But ultimately, you have to make the decision. You have to say the words. You have to believe. turn it over to Tyler and I'm going to let him dismiss us but my prayer is that you take what I said today with you today and just any gold nugget that you took out of that I, I pray that it hits home Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.